0: Hi, I'm Ellen, and all I aspire to in life is having an on suite
1: Hi, I'm Jaslyn, and I wish I had jeans that didn't roll down.
0: <laughs> and you're listening to... High, High Expectations. Expectations! Today we are recording from Jaslyn's bedroom. It's really cosy. <laughs> yeah.
1: I kind of wish we had a blanket for it, but it's
0: close enough. Not yet, but next time. So today we're talking about the second inspiration for the name High Expectations, and that's Charles Dickens' novel from... Why didn't look up when it was May? When was it written? Okay, it's Great Expectations, and it was written in the year... Go on, Jaslyn, you know. 1821. <laughs> no, it was serialized from 1860 to 61, and then it was in book form, published in book form in 1861. i so close. Great Expectations centers around the life of Philip Pirrip, who is uh, known by those closest to him as Pip. He's an orphan who lives with his sister and her husband, Joe, the blacksmith. His sister's Dick, and feels that he he is though she is, and feels that he is a complete burden to the earth. Already a very down and out family. Then what happens is, I guess we should start first with him coming across a convict in the field. Yeah. And he's super hungry and he's like, "Give me some food." And then Pips terrified and he thinks he that he would he'd be killed if he doesn't bring this guy back food. So he brings him back some food and notably he also brings some cake. And then so then they're found and he's taken away back into jail. And then that seems to be of no consequence. And then another massive thing happens. I just want to point
1: out that I was very confused about the whole convict thing. He also tells Pip to go get a, a file. Yep, so he can get out of his chains. Yeah, except I wasn't paying totally close attention. And I first thought he was telling Pip to go get him some flowers, which I thought was kind of odd. As he was in this like, muddy marsh, I thought maybe he just wants to see some colours before he dies or something. Yeah. And i didn't realise my mistake until
0: just much further into the film. The other major plotline of Great Expectations and probably the most major actually is that he is welcomed into the home of Miss Havisham, a very wealthy woman who bizarrely walks around in her wedding dress and she has a young daughter called Estella who mm, she essentially seems to just get Pip to play with. They just seem to be companions but it's pretty obvious pretty quickly that that she has an agenda and the main agenda is to train estella to be as nasty to pip as possible because she's teaching her to be an absolute man killer because she hates men why because she was jilted (gasps) at the altar what and she's still not over it hence why she's wearing her wedding dress
1: would you like to pick up the second half jazz or would you like me to do it so, based on my credentials of only having seen the Great Expectations miniseries and <laughs> never having read the book, Pip really likes Estella. He's got a bit of a crush. Yep. And he thinks that Miss Havisham, based on some hints she gives him, is going to give him like a, some kind of inheritance yes. or a, some pocket money. Considerable fortune. A considerable fortune yes, to so raise him can... up in society. Yes. Right. And she pays for his her-
0: apprenticeship. Yeah, he a she an apprenticeship
1: rather than a massive fortune. Yes. And then he becomes blacksmith and grows up a bit. And he gets invited back. And he thinks, sweet, I'm going to get with Estella now because I'm now like an older boy and I can totally do with this. Yeah. Someone tells him to go to London. So what happens?
0: <laughs> Not that. Okay, so this is all kind of narrated through his horrid, horrid uncle at the beginning, who his name is... Mr. Can- Pumblechook. So he's the person who takes him to and throws Satis House, which is where Miss Havisham and Estella live. He goes there a number of times before he becomes a blacksmith and they're kind of done with him. But he is visited by, I think I think it's, I think the news is brought to him by Miss, Mr. Pumblechook, but whatever happens, he receives a letter that tells him he is going to inherit a considerable fortune. It will be given to him in a series of allowances until he comes of age. Oh, yeah. um, the condition being that he can never know who his benefactor is. So the benefactor is a complete mystery to him. So he assumes it could only be Miss Havisham. And then that's when the mm. second half of the book takes off. And it's also where we get the name of the book. Yes, Great Expectations. He's,
1: he's, he's <laughs> told to go to London to be a gentleman of Great
2: Expectations.
0: <laughs> yep. And essentially, the rest of the book, we're following Pip, suddenly becoming very rich and wasting all of his money and the adventures that he gets up to. And, of course, because he's in high society now, as is Estella, they have a few run-ins, which is a very useful plot point to come back and forth to Estella. Of course, the if you know anything about Great Expectations, this is going to be a very spoilerific episode, so you should know. And also you've had 200 years to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> the identity of his benefactor is... Probably one of the best twists in literature. I'm not gonna lie, it's it's pretty great. I was, and then it's like surprised. twist, 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 end. It's so good, and it's like so many pages, but it's so worth it because when you find out all the twists, you're like,
2: <gasps> <gasps> oh
0: my god! <laughs> I feel like we've summarized the plot. So anyone who doesn't want a spoilerific episode or find out all those twists, you can stop listening now. Watch the BBC series. Or revisit us in six months after you've read the book and come back to us. So, let's talk about Charles Dickens. What do you know about Charles Dickens?
1: Charles Dickens is a very famous author. <laughs> and... <laughs> a it's, it's like you already had a book report. He's had various shows, parroting his stuff. I think he wrote The Christmas
0: Carol. He did, in fact, write The Christmas Carol, which is repeated over and over again in media. Got those narratives that continue throughout literature very much at the forefront of that. He wrote so many well known books, such as A Tale of Two Cities, Oliver Twist, Great Expectations, Bleak House, less or so. I feel like there's some I'm missing. But I think even very prolific. Th- those few books
1: are like typically famous. Yes, that's good enough. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. The dude's like so famous that his surname becomes a adjective. Yeah, like, Dickensian. Really,
0: like, Dickensian. Yes, and I don't think there's probably a person in the world, maybe the English-speaking world. I don't want to make too many generalizations. That hasn't heard of Charles Dickens. His stuff's been turned into musicals, BBC series, films, what have you, everything, and constantly repeated. Me, yeah. yeah, dude's famous as shit. Dude's famous as shit, and the thing to note is that he was very famous at the time as well, for wow. a variety of reasons. That's kind of rare. <laughs> it is, in a way. Yeah. yeah. So Dickens was writing obviously in the period of the 1800s, so we said that Great Expectations came out around 1860. So that's Victorian England. So Victorian era England. That was something me and Mum were talking about. We think that the way that his books are shown in like, the modern adaptations, they're very bleak. Whereas when he put out Great Expectations, it was supposed to be satire and it was supposed to be funny. And there's a lot of comical characters. But I think the way that we see it now is a lot more depressing. Because looking back at the Victorian yeah. era, we find that a very depressing time. It was very sexually repressed. You know, resources were more scarce. You know, it was at a time before mass production, and the way that we know it, so people would reuse things over and over and over again until they were done. Before yeah. modern medicine, you know, even in the class structure was very much in place, and that's why this book's so striking, because you can see Pip go from one very different lower-class, working-class family thrown right into the upper class, which is incredibly rare, but the contrast is so interesting to watch. Yeah. It destroys his family as a result. Yeah, he it definitely destroys his relationship with his family. Yeah. yeah. He becomes um, a dick. Okay? Hey? He becomes a dick. He becomes a total dick. So, Great Expectations originally came out as a serial, which was interesting to Jasmine. in a literary magazine that Dickens himself edited called All the Year Round. And this came about because he was part of another literary magazine, which was called Household Words. And the editors of that were called, I don't know, Bradbury and Evans, but who cares? Anyway, the point is that they had a big fight and they fell out. I think part of it has to do with his very painful breakup with his wife Catherine, which was very public and talked about within society. And there were rumours that he was having affairs, which he probably was. I think that was a very hard thing for him to go through. And that, that happened just in the lead up to Great Expectations. And a lot of people think that influenced it a lot because he was going through a really hard time. And yes, it's rumoured that the relationship between Pip and Estella is based on his follow-up relationship after Catherine with a woman called Nellie, who was apparently quite hard to get, but that, I don't know, the author of the biography I read seemed to think that it was a past relationship he'd had before Catherine which inspired it. But regardless, it seems that most people agree that Dickens' own life is reflected a lot in the relationship between Pip and Estella. It is a very special yeah. connection that they have, and it almost... It was one of those things where he must have had to experience it to be able to write it in such an effective way. I think so. The scene that,
1: I assume it's in the book, <laughs> where Estella invites Pip to give her a kiss. She's I'm like, pretty sure
0: that's in the book, she's yeah. Like,
1: do you like me? Would you like to give me a kiss? And, and he's then, like, yes, please. And he's like, what, eight years old or something? Yes. And he's like, very, like, sweetly leans forward with, like to give her a peck on the cheek. And then she's like, oh, Gross. You're Why would you kiss me? You stink. You're dirty, and he feels so shit. And then she's like, "Yeah, I can
0: make you cry anytime." <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Yep, and she's very much trained that way, which is a big emphasis of the um, emphasis of the BBC series. So, as you can imagine, it was quite accessible to get great expectations in a series of magazines. He was trying to do some pretty innovative stuff with it. I read in there that there was some stuff about haunted houses, and he had interest in um, paranormal and that kind of thing. Wow. So I think that influenced the, the spookiness or the darkness of that a lot. He has a real interest in yeah. that kind of tone. Miss Havisham is kind of spooky. Yes, yeah, she's very spooky, which we can get into. Yeah, and Great Expectations really picked up the, the sales of the literary magazine and made it quite successful again. So... That's all my background knowledge on Charles Dickens, it's pretty poor. And yeah, like I said, magazines are incredibly accessible. It's sort of like having a I don't know, well we were talking about a well-known YouTube series or maybe a podcast like serial, for example. People like something that comes out increments like that. Like high expectations. You leave them (laughs) wanting want. (laughs) Oh, and one more cool thing to add, I'm always starting promise. You can actually see the house that Satis House, um, where Miss Havisham lives, is based on. It's mm. called Restoration House, and it's in Rochester. And you can look it up online and have a look at it. It's very beautiful. I think that's just like a cool oh, thing very that beautiful. listeners can do. Yeah, so you can kind of get an idea of what Satis House is meant to look like. I don't know. In the BBC series, they made it out to be quite run down. And I don't know how mm. well kept it is in the book, but definitely that scene in which you see all of her food and her that her wedding table laid out, mm. that's in the book. So everything okay. to do, because she was jilted, everything to do with her wedding, even the wedding feast is still rotting in the house, which is very spooky. Yeah. Why do you think this story specifically is was successful at the time? maybe it's a bit hard to know the context, mm. but it definitely endures. So why what's so great about this story? like what do you think makes it endure?
1: Well, like the idea of poor children <laughs> getting like a uh, one-up in life and
0: Oliver Twist is
1: sort of the same isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh Before Eddie yeah. Eddie's
0: like a very famous story in which she is down and out and then yeah. gets picked up So the down and out kid getting well in life is like a, a well-loved trope. Or and... well, like when people adopt dogs in shelters and you get to see their faces online.
1: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> There's a fascination with the Victorian age now back then they when they're fascinated because they're living it, so they had to get famous on its own merits. Yes, which is probably the rags to riches thing. Yes, but also maybe they just really like Charles Dickens. Yeah,
0: he already made a name for himself, but I think there's something quite original about Miss Havisham and that relationship. I think that her as a character, I mean, I can't think of, I studied with literature degree. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of a character that is like Miss Havisham, just that obsessed. She's a very original character. And the relationship between Estella and Pip is also Mm. very compelling. Yeah, like, she's so creepy
1: and so very pale and just... Mm. She looks like she's the walking dead, almost. What's interesting... But she's so warming to Pip that you're like, oh, she's... Yeah, she's pale as anything, but she's so full of life for him.
0: And he really admires her. He wants to be part of that fold. Yeah. He aspires to that but it's unhealthy and mm. that's something that other characters tell him like you don't want to be with estella you don't want anything to do with them that's not healthy but in his eyes when he was pouring and down and out going on to status house was the fantasy but also i think it was the education like they they really emphasize it in the series that just how beautiful her clothes are and he's mm. kind of looking down at his own clothes and he just looks like crap you know that's the sunday best yeah. but it's not the best by any means and he gets basically nothing out of life and he goes home and he gets treated like dirt so he doesn't have really much going on for him and being able to go to stay at his house makes him feel important and makes him feel better than other people and that's essentially what great expectations is about pip gets in his head that he's better than other people and it's hard to watch yeah because he thinks, I am, meant, <laughs> I am meant to be rich,
1: and I am meant to be with Estella.
0: Yes. he gets this a weird thing. That's very entitled. Right? Yeah,
1: he's so entitled. When she
0: makes it really clear, I don't want to be with anyone. I have been raised to actively hate men. Do you not understand that? Yeah. I just had something apart in my head. What about, like, in Doctor Who? Like, the first Matt Smith series. Yeah. What's the name of his companion? Amy. Amy. Amy becomes obsessed with him because she met him as a child, and she yeah. was an orphan as well. And she holds on to that idea of her whole life because I think things that happen to you when you're a child really impact you, and that's quite un- understandable for anyone watching. Like if you thought mm. when you were a kid you were going to be a famous this, you probably hold on to that idea even as an adult. Yeah. It's a it's that time in your development where things just really stick and you can't let them go and you can't analyze them from a mature perspective. Pip just takes it as it is. He just sees this amazing, beautiful fantasy in which he gets to escape from his horrible reality and doesn't actually get a chance to critically analyse it. And he keeps that kind of childlike view even as he comes of age. Do you think? Yeah. (laughs) Doctor (laughs) Who comparison. Come on. And also, Doctor Who did a Charles Dickens
1: homage in A Christmas Carol. Oh yeah, I think
0: I remember that one. Mm. Yeah. I can't remember what happens, but yeah, it was yeah. it was similar to that. Very cool. What I really wanted to talk to you about was because you've only so I read the book in I think it was 2013, so quite a few years ago now, and it took me actually months. Like I find older books really hard to read, but really worthwhile because when I finally got to the end, I was like, this book is incredible. The payoff is so great. But at the time, I found it really difficult. I didn't really understand what was so great about it, especially because it's, it came out as a serial... I think there's a lot of filler, which maybe right. <laughs> you would have edited it out if it didn't come out in that kind of medium. Yeah. I don't know. But there are so many differences between the series and the book. Remember when I said to you, did you find it really scary when you went in the room with the, the wedding feast laid out? And you were like, oh, yeah. So if you look at other dad adaptations <laughs> or you read the book... It's a very scary scene Mm. because there's like rodents actually running around there. Like it's rotting. It's disgusting. Like for somebody who is supposed to be nobility, it makes no sense that she would allow this feast to just sit there and rot and become disgusting. I I
1: don't think when I saw the miniseries, which was the BBC miniseries starring Gillian Anderson. Yes. It's Miss Havisham. This scene of the wedding feast, I think, is not super obvious that it's rotting food. It just looks really... It's all covered really up. Dusty and... Yeah. A fully set table that's just been ignored. But if you were like, Jason, imagine this, like, banquet hall with, like, rotting food from, like, a few years ago, ten
0: years ago or something, that would be way more gross in my <clears> head. Yeah, no, it, it is. So, yeah, I just think that that obsession that Miss Havisham has with marriage is... It really sticks with you, because it's very disturbing. Just the idea that somebody would become so fixated on something that they basically... They, one, manipulated a child yeah. to seek some bizarre revenge that you're never going to get <laughs> on mankind. And two, just never let go any of the trimmings of marriage or the wedding. Yeah, she actually says in the series, I didn't get married, I, so basically I died. Like, I'm already dead. And she's yeah, just like, so "I sad. my life stopped at that point. And it is it is incredibly sad, but also it just makes you want to be like, life goes on beyond that. And because she can't get past it, she's so stuck on it, it's so hard to watch that. Because the thing that we all rely upon is that no matter what happens in life, no matter how hard it gets, you can always move on. I read a quote the other day that said, the main thing I've learned about life is that it goes on. And I got, took from that quote that yeah, doesn't matter what happens, you'll always move on, you'll always keep going you can be actually resilient towards anything. It's true. Miss Havisham's is not. She's very, very fluid. Yeah,
1: she is stuck in this, it's like half her body is stuck in this like, time freeze and the rest of it is moving on and like interacting with the outside world. Yes. You can't let it go. Yes. It's almost as if she's frozen. Yes, yeah. There was a little joke that I did get. What was it? Frozen. But
0: the listeners got it. All comes down in the mountain night, not a good to be seen. that kind of Frozen? Kingdom of Isolation, turns out I'm the queen. Is it that? Maybe. I don't <laughs> know the songs. <laughs> Were you making a Frozen reference? Yes. Oh. I did.
1: It's like she can't let it, go. let it go. It's almost as if she's frozen.
0: Ah, I got it. When you explain yourself. I'm actually beginning to think that I'm really slow at picking up jokes. Apple porn. What? Apple porn? What? Apple porn? Shout out to Harkon. We love you, Harkon. (laughs) I also think the twists are amazing. Honestly, so great. So, should we talk about the twists?
1: Alright, so if you haven't read the book since 1860, what have you been doing with your life? It's time for you to get some spoilers. (laughs) The biggest twist for me was that Pip spends the whole time thinking that Miss Havisham is his benefactor. Yes, yeah, so this is the big twist for everyone. Right? Yeah, And she wants to turn him into a gentleman so he's an appropriate suitor. Is that what
0: you thought? That's oh,
1: interesting. For Estella.
0: Is that what you
1: thought?
0: Oh, that's, and so that's interesting. what Pip thinks as well.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Which is why when Estella got off this whole asshole, he's like, what the fuck is going on? And then you find out. The night before he's going to get his inheritance, that criminal from the start of the movie comes into his room. Who is this guy? He's going to kill him, him, right? Yeah. And I saw him come in. I thought, oh, no, they're going to kill Pip the night before he gets into his inheritance. Everything he's been waiting for his whole life, to be rich and get a style. (laughs) Then you find out that... (gasps) He's the
0: benefactor. What? (laughs) So what happened with Magwitch... What's, that's what his name is, by the way. So, Abel Magwitch did some dodgy stuff in his past. We know from the the beginning of the book that he was taken away to be imprisoned again, because he'd escaped from jail. Yes. What happens to him then, and what happened to people at the time, and this is a pretty interesting aspect of the book, was that they were shipped off to Australia. What? Australia. Austral- Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I did a paper in colonialism when I was at uni, and it was quite interesting how that society like built itself up. It was essentially convicts and Aboriginal people. So, convicts were making a life for themselves, and they were becoming, you know, high up positions in society. were you know making a lot of money that they couldn't when they lived back in England because it was overpopulated. They were the lower class. You're kind of stuck where you are. But when you moved to Australia. You could start a whole new life for yourself there. And that's what Magwitch does. He becomes mm. very wealthy off uh, farming. Probably says that in here somewhere. Okay, so he returns to England from exile in Australia. He is the lesser actor in a crime with Compeyson, but gains the longer sentence in an apparent application of justice by social class. Oh, interesting. So, you know, your Pip is like, what the fuck, you can't be the benefactor. My was- benefactor is Havisham. Yeah, and this he's like, prank. no, the reality is... <laughs> I'm, I'm your benefactor yeah. And it honestly makes Pip sick He just doesn't want it to be real And Pip's like, how could you have done this to me You made me
1: like reject my family And he's like, well dick I didn't tell you to do that You're just an
0: asshole. <laughs> and Pip's like, shit So Mum says, Charles Dickens Bases all of his novels on one Big thing, coincidences So Magwitch isn't just Pip's benefactor. He is also a key influence on another major character's life, Estella. What? So, (laughs) as the story goes, he is, as we know, a convict. So, he was an estranged father and husband to Estella and her mother, Molly. Molly is also Mr. Jaggers, who, he is the lawyer. He's the lawyer to Miss Havisham and also to... Magwitch and he informs Pip of his inheritance. Molly is his maid, so she goes to prison for a little while because. Okay, so this is one character. He's the guy that jilted Miss Havisham, of course. <sighs> what? I know. It sounds like a soap opera, but honestly, when you read it, it's like, <laughs> oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> so well done. He left her at the altar. He's a big bad guy. He tried to make moves on Molly. Molly tried to defend herself and stab him. She was charged with trying attempted murder, goes to jail. Magwitch is nowhere to be seen. What happens to baby Estella? She gets taken to Mr. Jagger's care, and Mr. Jagger gets approached by his client, Miss Havisham, and asked if he can find her a daughter. Hence why Estella goes into her care. Wow. And then Miss Havisham raises her to be a man-hater. A man-hater, because she was jilted at the altar by Magwitch's I- enemy... I think yeah. that's how you say his name. And in the BBC series, it's like really brushed over. You don't really know much about him. But hmm. basically, if he wasn't an evil prick, everybody would probably be a lot better off. But they're not because yeah. he sucks. Those are some pretty incredible twists. Jasmine didn't pick up on the fact that Molly was Estella's mother. But I was like, what about that? But when she's getting really upset with Mr. Jaggers? she's like, you said she was going to be all right because she's marrying. Yeah. Bentley Drummle This horrible, horrible man who ends up marrying Estella Because
1: perhaps so entirely in his mind to Estella The idea of Estella liking this other guy is like completely ridiculous to him And he tries to save her from this guy Mm. But the whole point is that Estella is marrying this guy to give him an unhappy marriage Yes Because he's been raised to make men unhappy
0: Yes but she also ends up making Miss Havisham unhappy, who's very clingy, and Estella's kind of the only light in her life. And every time Estella comes around, she kind of smothers her, and Estella distances herself from her, and she says, You raised me to be cold. You've made your bed, you lie in it. I'm going to be cold to you too. Which is something that makes her, like, break down, basically. In a big way. Yeah. Other characters we've missed out. Orlik? <laughs> Orlik yeah. is this blacksmith who also works for joe and joe's the best character in the whole thing basically he's such a sweetheart yeah he raises pip basically and teaches him how to be a blacksmith and even when he's rejected by pip continues to be a loving influence in his life orlick is his like disgusting former apprentice yeah he's real gross so strong's rude and sullen. this is from wikipedia He is as curlish as Joe, as gentle and kind. He ends up in a fist fight with Joe over Mrs. Gadgery's so that's um, Pip's sister, taunting. And Joe easily defeats him. This sets in motion the escalating chain of events that leads to him secretly assault Mrs. Gadgery and try to kill her brother Pip. The police ultimately arrest him for housebreaking. So he's a huge dick. Another major character in the book who's not even in the BBC series is Biddy. And Biddy teaches an evening school at her grandmother's home in Pip's village. And when Pip wants to learn more, he asks her to teach him all she can. And also, Herbert Bucket, who is Pip's friend, who we can get into more, his father also teaches Pip quite a lot. But Biddy is in the book kind of the opposite of Estella. She's warm, she's loving, like she wants to be with Pip. And Mine. Pip goes back to the village to make amends, but also to marry Biddy. But then it turns out Biddy gets married to Joe. What? After Pip's sister dies yes. and they have a baby and Pip's like, Well fuck. How old is Joe? Um, Isn't Joe that like an old guy? Joe's says, like Yeah, his sister's his sister's husband, yeah. How
1: old is Biddy? Um, Near Pip's age. That's real gross. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, Dickens? Well, I don't know
0: if you think about it, though. Like, maybe... No, but at the time, maybe his sister would have been about 10 years older than him. So, maybe they would have... And Biddy is a little bit older than Pip. So, I think. So, there probably maybe would have been, like, an eight, nine year difference. Which isn't huge. I mean, considering the time, women will probably get married to older men because they have more money. I don't know. But, well, Wikipedia says that...
1: Biddy is meant to be near Pip's age, but still, the fact but that she's, she's getting teaches, with Joe so is gross. You still
0: think it's gross? Joe's like, yeah, but no, but thirties, forties, maybe. Yeah, but <laughs> but his sister could be about ten years older than him.
1: Mrs. Joe is twenty years older than Pip.
0: Twenty. Okay, that's that's fucked up. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: Come on.
0: What's going on, Tell me, Dickens? Also, what the fuck? How is she 20 years older than Pip?
1: That's such a huge age difference. Wow. Weird. Well, there's no birth control, so she well, happens. Maybe that's why they left it out of the BBC series. Yeah, because it's a bit messed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought she was a cool character, but now I'm feeling so, weird. Miss Havisham loses her shit.
0: Yeah, sets herself on fire. And then
1: Estella very conveniently has a dead husband. What happens to her, eh? I think he just slips and falls. Yeah. No one saves him. And then Estella's like, sweet, I'll go be a widow in my old house now. And then Pip's like,
0: yo, you single? I'm single. Let's hook up. Which doesn't necessarily happen in the book. It's left ambiguous. So the original ending to Great Expectations was that Pip doesn't meet Estella at all as a widow. She, um, I think she ends up remarrying and he misses right. his chance because he goes off to Egypt with his friend Herbert Pocket, and they have a business there, and he makes lots of money off it. So what, where we meet Pip at the end of the BBC series is, he's seriously in debt, Magwitch is dead, so all of his money goes to the Crown, so Pip no longer has any money.
1: Oh, right.
0: Yeah, did you get that? No. Okay, so here's the thing that's going to make you die, alright? Okay. This is how fucking nice Joe is. So Pip's seriously in debt because he never, you know, receives the money, Joe fucking pays for it all. Wow. Joe covers all of his debt.
1: So nice. Isn't
0: this so nice? So he can kind of start afresh. And then the book, he makes this money in the Herbert Pocket's company that he helped finance originally anyway. And then he comes back home and he's like, hey, Estella, I'm kind of Hello. well off now. And she's like, I'm kind of a widow now. And it's ambiguous as to whether or not they get together. Because I think he was told, Now you are got to change that ending because that's fucking bleak, yo. You can't have them not get together. Yeah, they've got to get together. But he still didn't want to take a hard line on it. Whereas the BBC series does. They end up making out
2: Mm. and getting together.
0: Sweet. Did you enjoy Um, it?
1: I did enjoy it. I thought when I was going to watch it, there was going to be heavy going for me because I like period dramas, (laughs) but I don't like dark, depressing dramas. Yeah. And the start of the film opens... Everyone's muddy. (laughs) Everything's like soot and mud and shit's bad. And then when he goes to Miss Havisham, as creepy as she is, things start to lift. I'm like, okay, this is nice. I can get into this film. and then I It's intriguing, right? Yeah. And I got really hooked on the whole romance aspect and the mystery of the benefactor. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I really got into it. And I binged it. Overnight binged it. (laughs) Which you never do. never binge. And I was like, I've got to find out what happens.
0: Nice, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I would yeah. be kind of disgusted if you didn't.
1: <laughs> All right, shall we do some listener mail? Yeah, let's open it up, put your hand inside, <laughs> wiggle it about. Oh, there's mail. Oh, it's just your mum. Your name. We'll start with a couple of iTunes reviews. The Sipping Sisters ratio is five stars and they said I love this podcast it has quickly made its way to my priority listening alongside Worst Friends Forever and Wine and Crime that's cool I enjoy the honesty the critical analysis the light-hearted banter and the accents love it all (laughs) Definitely Maybe is a great episode that considers the message in rom-coms and it has a happily critical look at a film I really adore Keep up the strong work.
0: Yay! Thanks, the Sisters. Sisters.
1: They do a podcast where they sip drinks and they watch stuff. They're doing a series on... What's that show? 13 Going On. 13 Reasons Why. 13 Reasons
0: Why. Oh, okay. Oh, man. That's a good series to drink
1: to. Yeah. Here we go, eh? Mariah Avex, who does a great podcast called 600 Second Saga, says that we're a little funny. A little thinky. A lot amazing. Aww. And that we're a wonderful show. She highly recommends. And that we're thought-provoking. Five stars. Yay. Thanks, Mariah. We heard from The Thirst. Oh, cool. One of Alan's faves. <laughs> she, I think it was April said she's heading <laughs> heading to, to work, walking this morning with the wonderful Ladies of High Expectations podcast to keep her company that she has enjoyed the High Fidelity discussion so much. <laughs> Capital letters. <laughs> Thank you, April and or Steph. And <laughs> um, the Thirsts are great. They do a lot of pop culture talk. Yep. And we're big fans. The last
0: episode covered Wonder Woman, of course, and Twin Peaks, which is great other pop cultural news and they often talk about what kind of pop culture they're interested in at that time and yeah. they're based in the UK and they also said that they gave us a shout out, the Lady Pod Squad you can look at the Lady Pod Squad on Twitter we've got a hashtag and they said oh there's a lot from the States but there's also some from New Zealand and they said, Whoa, well I wish I had an accent even though I have an accent but I want like a nice <laughs> American accent and we're here to say that you do have nice accents. Yeah and we love you. have the best you. accents. <laughs> Everyone wants a nice British accent, shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can't I can't say when I say beer and beer, they sound exactly the same. I can be like, look at your beer ass, you're about to get attacked by grizzly beer. It sounds the same. I hate it. Yeah. You better drink a
1: beer because a beer's gonna come get your beer ass. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter.
0: Yeah.
1: Our friend Angela P wrote to us again. Angela, hey. P, Good to hear from North you, you again Angela? Well. She says, I think she had just listened to the High Fidelity episode. and She said, I took the sex and make love comment as she had fucked, as in wild
0: in." I feel like this is confirmed now. but no emotion was involved. Yep. I think it's confirmed that Jeslin's right and I'm wrong. Which is okay. I'm okay with being wrong sometimes. It's healthy to be wrong sometimes. Only sometimes.
2: I'm gonna get you guys.
0: I went to a party recently and everyone had their smartphones out and they're like, no, green tea's not more caffeinated than other teas. Um, no, I'm pretty sure the Twitter bird's are not called Larry. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'm wrong about the first one, but the Twitter bird's called Larry, okay? And that's a fun fact for everyone out there. Confirmed because I googled it. Well
1: done, that one. Alright, everybody, have a great week. Subscribe. iTunes. Rate us. Fuck
2: tweet us. us.
0: Tell a friend. Email us. Please send us an email, hand her a letter, mail a pigeon, send us treats. I really want chocolate.
1: amazing.
2: Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. If you have any comments or questions, please send an email to highexpectationspodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or leave us a comment. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at highexpectationspodcast or on Twitter at HiExPodcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. Have a great week.
1: Unfortunately, this is a fucking huge book. Hi, I'm Jasmine. I love being in a duvet.
0: (laughs) 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 And this is... Hi... (laughs) Oh get your shit together no it's
2: okay need an escape vanish into the depths of a magic forest head out on an interstellar repair mission travel back in time to change the future explore inside someone or something else meet dragons werewolves birds bears aliens mermen and a man with a fishbowl for a head all in 10 minutes or less every week tune in to 600 second Saga for your weekly science fiction and fantasy escape.